A brief update. It's May the 12th, 2024. I've released just two episodes of this year. My father-in-law passed away in January. He bravely fought a multitude of health issues for well over 15 years. Rest in peace, John. My wife of more than 20 years, Lisa, is remarkably strong, much more so than I. Her outlook on life is always positive and has motivated me to resume my passion project. Research for new episodes is now well underway. Stay tuned and sincere thanks for subscribing to my podcast. One thing I discovered very early on, outside of the documentary and outside of that four years Dryzen played in the NBA, outside of Europe, very little is known about Dryzen's pre-NBA career. There were certain things about that that were just fascinating to me. It's a book basically full of stories. I wrote it the way I wanted to write it. It's just one story after the next because when I interviewed people, they had stories about Dryzen. It wasn't telling you things that you already knew. So it's a deeper look at his life. I wanted to, to find out what sort of guy he was and you get that by interviewing the people who knew him. But then I also wanted to research deeper than just the statistics of it. Hopefully that reflects in the book. And you are in Australia right now. You're talking NBA basketball. You're talking great teams. You're talking great individual players. Takes it off and there's number 23. And of course, Johnny goes nuts. So I'm getting first time thinking about it now. I just tried to go out there and play my game. I have no idea what you're talking about, Adam. I don't like anybody. I'm not a people person. Strand, you made the pass. Yes. Christian, can you catch the ball? Yes. All the stars were aligned and all the muscles fired at the right time. And I was able to get off the ground and throw one down. I was saving that as a surprise for you. And now... Introducing your host for In All Airness, Adam Ryan. Welcome to episode 55 and thanks for joining me. Stay up to date with my monthly email newsletter. You will receive exclusive details on upcoming podcast episodes, future high-profile guests to appear on the show and plenty more. Simply visit inallairness.com slash news. Today, it's a special episode. I welcome a very good friend of mine, Todd Spear. He's joined me as a co-host on a handful of other episodes, most relevant being in relation to this conversation, episode 24, in allairness.com slash 24. That was our Drazen Petrovich retrospective. Just last week, March the 30th, 2015, we saw the official release of Todd's new Drazen Petrovich biography. This is the edited audio from a Google Hangout that we did, which featured Todd, another good mate of mine and regular co-host of the NB85 podcast series, Aaron Steen, and of course, yours truly. To view the video chat that this audio is taken from, you can visit inallairness.com slash drazen. Towards the end of the episode, I'll share more great podcast reviews. Add yours by visiting inallairness.com slash review. Show notes for this episode, including links to purchase Todd's book, are available at inallairness.com slash 55. Now, on to the show. Our guest today, Aaron, and I'll introduce you in a moment, he has just released a new biography titled Drazen, The Remarkable Life and Legacy of the Mozart of Basketball. He appeared on the podcast talking about the book on episode 24 of the show back in mid-2013. Now, it's officially available and out in the world for all to consume. Todd Spear, thanks for joining us, mate. No worries, Adam. Thank you very much for having me. Good to see you both. Excellent. Now, Aaron, you're a regular co-host of this 
podcast caper that we get up to here. Thanks for taking part again in another chat. How are you today, mate? Good, thanks, Adam. Good to be back in the downtown Tacoma studios slash NB85 studios for uh, this chat with Tide and his upcoming book. Yeah, it's going to be a good little chat here, I'm sure. Now, all going to plan, those who are watching this live Google Hangout can ask questions as we go along. Not sure if anybody will actually partake in that, but I think I've enabled it to happen. <laughs> and then you should be able to send us a question along the way, which should pop up on my screen. And then we'll hopefully pose that question to Todd. I had mum send us a Twitter this morning, mate, um, just so she can. Uh, we'll have at least one question, mate. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got a couple of backup ones just in case. So <laughs> I won't be holding my breath for a few, but we'll see what happens. Now, before we actually chat all things Drazen, let's quickly cover your background a bit, Todd. We didn't actually mention it too much in our previous chat on episode 24. And also, you've been on other episodes of the podcast as well, which is great. But. You moved to the USA when you were a teenager. Yeah. Do you mind just talking a little bit about when you left Australia to take up your basketball-related career in the US and college along the way and whatnot, and then even becoming a uh, an assistant coach with your alma mater? Yeah, sure, mate. I'm not sure how exciting uh, the background is, but um, when I was 16, I was um, practicing with a, a semi-professional team that was in Warrnambool, which is in Western Victoria. Uh, I grew up in a place called Camperdown, which is just a small town um, in the Western District, but um, I had an American teammate who um, encouraged me to, um, you know, sort of take my uh, basketball playing a little bit further. So I had an opportunity to play a year of high school ball in a place called Fowler, Colorado. Um, I had a pretty good year there and was lucky enough to get a scholarship to play at Lamar Community College, which was a junior college in southeast Colorado. After two years, I transferred to a um, school in Kansas, Central Christian College. And I graduated in 2006. Um, I was a good college player. I certainly wasn't a great one, but I had a, had a fairly good college career. So after I finished playing in um, uh, 2006, I graduated. And then uh, sort of uh, I had a minor in journalism. My major was business in college, but um, was doing some freelance writing for a few publications and was lucky enough to get printed in um, like Slam and, and Lindy's and a couple of Australian publications that were out at the time. And, Eventually, that turned into when I moved back to the US in 2009, I was uh, hired as an assistant coach at the, the school that I played at. So I worked in player development and scouting. And then during my free time, I drive down to Oklahoma City and I was able to get credentials to go to games there and covered a lot of Thunder basketball for about the first three years there in Oklahoma City. So while I was coaching during the week and um, every chance I could get, I'd drive down to Oklahoma City and the access was great. This was before the Thunder were what they are now, and um, the access was just unbelievable. So that's where really where my writing sort of interest sort of went to the next level, and I've since um, had some writing at ESPN and, like I said, Slam and, and a few other places. So all of that led up to, due to a family situation, I had to move back to, the, back to Australia at the end of uh, 2011. And in order to stay involved with, with a game that had given me so much, I um, started this crazy idea of uh, yeah, writing a book. So that was three years ago, and here we are now. The first thing that I wanted to ask Todd about was yeah, the number one thing that I enjoy so much about doing our NB85 podcast series with, with Adam is that after being a fan of the game for 25 years, I'm still able to expand my knowledge on a topic that I love a tremendous amount through the research that we do for, uh, for each of our episodes. 
you mentioned in inawareness.com forward slash 24. Shameless self-promotion. Shameless self-promotion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> about learning new information about Drazen as part of the process of putting the book together. For you personally, how much enjoyment did you get out of learning so much new information about a guy that we all grew up watching play during the early 1990s? You know, that's a good question, Aaron, because there was never once where I felt, you know, man, I don't want to I don't want to do this today or I don't want to research it. You can never know everything. And as long as there's something that you don't know, you can always chase and chase. And I sort of had that approach. One thing I discovered very early on, outside of the documentary and outside of that four years Drazen played in the NBA, very little is known outside of Europe, very little is known about Drazen's pre-MBA career and then there were certain things about that that were just fascinating to me such as Yugoslavian athletes in general could not leave the country before the age of 28 um, as per the the rule at the time. Um, Drazen was the first guy to challenge that rule and he was able to get that that rule you know broken so to speak. So there were things like that. I could go on and on about certain things but Researching it was, I'm a big research guy, um, I hate reading products where the inc information's incorrect, so I had to make sure everything that, I had to triple check everything, but it, like I said, I never felt it was an obligation or a, or a chore. Researching was a lot of fun, you know, when you guys, if you haven't already taken a look through the book, it's a book basically full of stories, you know, I wrote it the way I wanted to write it, it's just one story after the next, because when I interviewed people, it was... They had stories about Draws and it wasn't telling you things that you already knew. So it's not, you know, Draws has scored 20 points here. The next game he scored 21. It's not a book like that. It's a, it's a deeper look at his life and it's, I wanted to, to find out what sort of guy he was and you get that by interviewing the people who knew him. But then I also wanted to research deeper than just the statistics of it. So hopefully that reflects in the book. But a lot of fun researching and, you know, 470 pages. It's pretty long-winded, but I reckon it's, um, you know, it rounds out pretty nice. Something that I enjoy so much about the Inawareness podcast, Todd, is when Adam interviews these guys who perhaps don't have the, the the profile of some of the bigger names in NBA history is hearing their stories and hearing some of those stories. So yep. have a full book of how many pages was it? Uh, 470. <laughs> 470 pages of Drazen Petrovic stories. Yeah, I can't wait to read it, mate. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And I uh, purchased the Kindle copy. It's available online and all the links will be in the show notes to this episode, of course, which will be inallannis.com slash 55. And, of course, in the notes to this actual YouTube video when it's on YouTube, there's also links to the Amazon uh, and CreateSpace links as well to be able to purchase a book. But I purchased it on Kindle. I've only read the first. I think I read the preface and the opening chapter last night mate uh while i was laying down in bed and boy it was a great read and really enjoyed it and i look forward to getting stuck right into it as well so already those stories are starting to come through in the the very beginning there so very exciting to to get into that and speaking of the book itself mate in the last week or so just after it came out i think it was march 30th that it was released officially is that correct yeah that's correct mate march 30 last monday yeah you had places like yahoo's ball don't lie and Sports Illustrated, just to name two, had some features or excerpts from the book that appeared on their websites. How did you, first of all, manage to, to get in touch with them to have that go onto their sites? And how did you find the reaction from 
people who actually read those pieces too. You know, Adam, it was like a reflection of the whole process. People love drives and it made my job so easy. You know, I'd email someone and be like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Would you be interested in talking to me about drives? And absolutely, without doubt. And that's a reflection of drives and how people, the way people felt about him. It was the same with securing those excerpts on those websites. You know, people love drives and it's, it was very easy for me to, you know, tell them about my project and get the good response. As a matter of fact, there was only in the whole three years, I only got rejected once um, and that was by Willis Reed and that was for reasons that sort of went beyond beyond his relationship with drugs and it was, you know, more about things that were going on in his life at the time and um, his cousin was Orlando Woolridge who had just passed away at the time and and because of that experience and also the way he felt about Drazen, um, it was sort of too emotional for him to talk about. Other than that, it was just an open open slather. People enthusiastic would email me, would would talk to me for a couple of hours at a time, and you know, like I said, it made my job easy. So that's a reflection of Drazen and the person that he was. Was there a lot of Skype calls involved, or were you actually doing a few phone based calls as well? How did that sort of work with? trying to coordinate times that would suit given the drastic amount of difference in time zones and things like that, mate? It's funny, mate. I made a decision very early on that if I was going to do the project, I would do whatever sacrifice it took. So I remember I called um, Tom Newell, who was the assistant coach with the Nets when Dryson was there. I think we spoke from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. one day and, like, it was just you don't mind doing those things because it was, you know, like I said, you want to make the book as strong as it as it could possibly be and, you know, you cater to those people's schedule. If they're willing to give you the time, then you should be willing to make the sacrifice to, to get up early or stay up late or whatever it is. Mate, almost like I, I remember talking to you at the time, all the calls were on Skype. All the calls were obviously international. I didn't do a single face-to-face interview. I did about 70 interviews in total and um, you do what it takes, mate. You don't sort of sit around and think about it. You just do it and I'm sure you've had this feeling many times. You get done interviewing someone, you know, you can't wait to do it again or you just know that it was was worth the effort. So you do what it takes, mate, I suppose. Was there a particular guy or or person that you chatted to who gave you a completely different sort of take on where you were heading with certain topics that you wanted to write about that you sort of out of nowhere gave you a, a whole new angle to investigate or to at least establish a bit more information about going forwards? Absolutely. Right off the top of my head, when I interviewed Warren Ligari, he was Drazen's agent in the NBA, he said when we were finishing our phone call, he said, there's one guy you need to talk to um, and his name is Rich Delatry. I was like, I've got no idea who that is. Um, he was the strength and conditioning coach at the Nets. After Drazen's half season in New Jersey in 1991, and if you guys look closely at the film, Drazen's body before that season and after, completely different. And uh, the reason for that, he spent a summer in New Jersey with with this guy, Rich Delatry. Every day those guys just went at it and Drazen's body completely changed. He completely rebuilt his body, rebuilt his game. And it turns out these guys had this unbelievable bond. These two guys were just lifelong friends. As a result, Rich Delatry, you know, got a job in Europe, met his wife. You know, this is all because of Drazen. Had three kids and now he um, he actually works with Mike Fratello with uh, with the national team that 
just off the top of my head, is it the Russian national team or it's... Uh, the Ukraine? Ukraine, sorry, Ukraine national team. You know, all these opportunities opened up just because of his relationship with Drazen and I was able to call him one day and he spoke to me for two hours about everything about Drazen's body, about Drazen's attitude towards work, about Drazen's relationship with his teammates, like a guy that I had not considered to interview and as you'll see in the book, there's a few pages devoted to basically a summer that changed Drazen's life and 91-92 he becomes a 20-point scorer and, you know, he had a body to compete in the NBA. It was just a turning point in his life. And you also, those- I'll go ahead, Todd. Sorry, go ahead, Aaron, I should say. I'm getting people's names mixed up now. That's a worry. <laughs> That's right, Jared, no problem. <laughs> Todd, how many of those, I guess this is kind of in tone with Adam's last question, how many of those moments did you have when you had to stop and think to yourself that you know, I can't believe that I'm learning this now, like in 20, you know, whatever year it was at the time, like 2013, 2014, 2015, how many of those kinds of moments did you have? Because I'm sure with the amount of work that you put into the book that there would have been countless examples. Yeah, numerous, Aaron, without doubt, mate. And and you find it like a motivating thing. You, you'll find out some tiny little story and then or like a thread, you know, you just want to keep pulling on the thread and see how long it'll go. And that, that's basically what it was like. One guy would tell you a story and then you would ask another person about that story and then that would lead to another story and it just layer upon layer and like I said to you before just I wanted it to be a book about stories one story after the next and you get those answers by talking to people who knew him you know you can't get it out of a a newspaper recap or off a documentary that goes for two hours you know you can't just pull those things out of um, what limited things we get we get served to us so you know you speak to the people who knew him and that's how you get the best idea but yeah lots of instances mate where, where I felt like that for sure. I know you mentioned how much of a meticulous sort of researcher you are and I can vouch for that as well. I know that you watched an incredible amount of game film from all portions of Dryzen's career. Going back, I think, as far as when he was 17 or 18 years old might have been the earliest. Is that correct? And and also, do you mind just talking about um, how you got access to some of those game films and, and what sort of insight that gave you that, as you mentioned just a moment ago, newspaper articles or game recaps couldn't? It's funny you bring that up, Adam, because obviously um, our love for game film, our mutual love for game film is the reason where this whole friendship started, you know, 15 years ago. I, I'm a huge game film guy, obviously. I've got a lot, big collection, probably over a 1,000 games, without exaggerating. So game film's a huge part of what I do. Even when I was coaching, the best part of the job was watching game film and trying to break it down. And I watched probably, I want to say, about 90 games of, of Drazen over the last three years, but might be more than that, I'm not sure, but I saw his first game on American national TV, which was when he was 17, November 23, 1981 at Kentucky. That was on ESPN, which was about two years old at the time. Um, there's the 1983 Yugoslav League final, uh, which had a very controversial finish. Um, I'll tell you, this game needs to be like a 30 for 30 because it's crazy finish. I was able to get film of that. Um, I found a scout tape from uh, the 1985 European Championships with Sabonis and, and Drazen, which was just unbelievable. You look in the weirdest places. I'd contact um, you know universities about whether they had game film on. The Yugoslav national team used to go to um, America every November. So you'd contact universities to see if they had any old scout tapes, which sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. There's a lot of collectors in Europe who must have been purchasing a lot of VHS 
VCRs back in the day who were taping games of drives, and so I was able to contact people in Europe. I have a contact at the NBA that was able to send me um, a copy of Dryzen's 40-point playoff game in 92, which was game one of the first round at Cleveland. Um, I was able to find a copy of his last game, which was about 24 hours before he was killed. Um, yeah, you know, you just look in the weirdest places. I obviously don't need to tell you that, but game film tells you things that you couldn't find anywhere else. I really like to analyse things and understand things. Game film tells you stuff. You know, Dryzen's game changed from Europe to the NBA, he almost completely eliminated the dribble out of his offensive game. And he retrained himself to become a catch-and-shoot guy. So game film tells you those sorts of things, and I tried to work them into the book as much as I could. I love it. Now, for some unknown reason, Aaron, I'm not sure if you opened up an app inadvertently or something, but I don't know what's happened. My screen just went black, and someone took a photo of me, which is a bit disturbing. That's why I paused halfway through that sentence. I was like, uh... <laughs> What's going on here? Aaron, what are you doing? You're trying to derail us. Would you like me to smile so you can take a photo? Or... <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd like to tell you what I'm doing, but I actually have no idea. <laughs> I, I probably put you to sleep, mate. I'm, I'm hardly taking a breath here. No, no, I was really enjoying it, and then I just got completely thrown. I was actually trying to get a, a screenshot so I could share it later on, but uh, I've gone and steered the car off the road and in, into a tree at the moment, I think. <laughs> not good, mate, not good at all. But um, speaking of derailing ourselves for a minute, mate, you mentioned, Todd, the 30 for 30 that should be done on that particular game back in the early to mid-80s you were talking about there. What were the circumstances behind that that make you so readily think that it should be, you know, immortalised by the ESPN magic? Well, so 1983 Yugoslav League final was played between Shebenka, which was Dryzen's team, um, and Bosna. This was the, the elimination, you know, the, the clinching game or whatever. Bosna was leading by one. Dryzen caught the ball, two seconds to go, took a shot and missed uh, as time expired. Bosna starts celebrating on the floor. Dryzen, you know, walks up to the referee, tapping his arm saying I got fouled. Referee calls a foul. Um, controversy all over the place. Drazen's coach, and he told me this in the interview, Vlado Djurovic, told me, he said to Drazen, make one and miss two, because if you make both, we're going to win the title, but they're going to take it off us. Drazen's 18 years old, looks him in the eye and says, I'm making both of them. So no time on the clock, down by a point, goes and makes two. You can find the film on YouTube. Um, Shebenka is awarded the title. The next day, the Yugoslav Basketball Federation ruled that the win is, is not valid, so they take the title away from them. And uh, instead of giving the title to the other team, they order a rematch. So anyway, Bosnia goes to this neutral site the next week. All their fans are in the stands. They warm up, walk out onto the floor, and they're the only team in the building. Shebenka did not go. Um, Bosnia was awarded the title. It's a huge debate even now whether whether A, he got fouled before the time expired, or B, whether he even got fouled at all. But find the footage online. So Shebenka got the, the title taken away from them. Um, but Dryzen was 18 years old, had 38 points, was the best player on the floor, and just, just a crazy set of circumstances. They're not historically thought of as the title winner. But, um, yeah, whole story's in the book, but... Uh, Crazy, crazy finish. I like how you just said it's in the book there. So <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, if I wasn't already keen enough to read it, that's it, mate. Hold it up for us. While you do actually just hold it up for a second and show so we can see it, how did you decide on that particular 
image to use and then also about the naming of the book. Do you mind just elaborating a little bit on that as well too? You know, when I saw the photo, it was actually on every year NBA teams would issue what's called a team sheet to the media and it would have a photo of each player. Uh, you can find them on eBay uh, and I saw that photo of Draws and it was taken um, in October of 92. That's all really you need to know about Draws and it just seemed like the photo that captured him the best. Um, the Blazers sent me a photo of him, I think it was from um, 1990, October 1990, before the, his second season. And it was similar to that one, but it wasn't. That one just seems to, you know, when I have a picture of Jarzin in my mind, I, I see like an emotional player. And, and that smile seemed to capture best what he was about. So that was an easy choice for the cover. Uh, I struggled with the name. I'm not good at naming things. Obviously, uh, Adam, you're aware of this because uh, I tried to help you name the podcast back in the day. But You did too. We had some interesting ones as well. <laughs> we might have to tweet those out later on, I think. That's true, yeah. The reason I included the Mozart of basketball in the title, it was important to recognise the European portion of his life. He spent the first 24 years of his life in Europe. That was important to, to represent that portion of him and that's how people think of him. In Europe, they think of him as this larger-than-life figure. He's very much revered. So I wanted to include that in the title. And uh, Drazen, um, with all due respect to Drazen Dalapagic, who was a great Yugoslavian player before Drazen, I think everyone identifies with, with the name Drazen. So hopefully it was clear who the book's about. So that's why I went that direction. You mentioned before, Todd, about how that, that photograph of Drazen encapsulates really who he is and I know that for me personally whenever I think of Drazen I think of those celebrations after yep. a big, big shot or a big three I've never seen celebrations from an NBA player like it it was just pure joy and, and jubilation I guess yep. the, the other best uh, words to describe it and that photo shows what kind of a, a bubbly energetic kind of guy he was yeah, it's funny you say that, Aaron, because his lawyer, uh, his attorney was a, a gentleman named Nick Goyak, who was a, had Croatian heritage. He lives in Portland. He's, he's a guy I've become very friendly with. He would always say to me, Drazen had a childlike enthusiasm for basketball, and basically that's what you just summed up. That, that's how he came across. So it was important to represent that, I think, on the cover. And speaking of his celebrations and exuberance when he made certain shots, Aaron, you alluded to it. Just a second ago, I think, now this is going to test my memory, I'm pretty sure it was 1992 playoffs, game three yep. back in New Jersey. The Nets were down zip two, and then in the last five minutes or so, there was a couple of really great things that Drazen did, but I watched the footage, and correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, but there was about five minutes to go, John Battle from Cleveland got into some sort of stoush with, uh, with Drazen and was called for an offensive foul away from the ball, which then sort of set up one of Petro's most famous shots, uh, Spencer Ross, I think his main line of commentary is, you know, Petro for three. I'm not going to try and impersonate <laughs> it unless Aaron or Todd, if you'd like to. But that sort of led to a couple of great three-pointers and some really memorable moments from Drazen. Do you mind just talking a little bit about that game? And, and I think you also spoke with Spencer as well for part of the book's research. Is that true? Absolutely. You know, there's a funny story, Adam, uh, about that particular game the night before. Um, Drazen actually had access to the Meadowlands Arena. He asked the, the team to, the New Jersey Devils were the other tenants in the building and, and they had a playoff game in, a, in another city. So Drazen was actually in the Meadowlands the night before that game um, and he was, I suppose, acting out what he was going to do the next night, which is just a crazy story to me. Uh, and 
sets the tone for, for what took place. But, yeah, they were down 0-2. Cleveland was obviously a better team, but um, he sort of dragged them across the line in that particular game. But Spencer Ross was a good friend of Dryzen's. They were, And this was sort of a consistent theme with people in the Nets organisation. Dryzen was able to build relationships with people, which was unusual for a player to do so with like team staff. Him and Spencer Ross would, uh, would you know, have lunch together, have dinner. Spencer Ross has twin sons that Dryzen was friendly with. They would rebound for him on off days and things like that. And, of course, the Petro for three call, they're sort of synonymous. Spencer Ross gave me a little bit of a story as a background to that. And he, he told me even still today people ask him about it and he gets chills when he says it. And, um, yeah, really cool story that they were able to have that relationship. That was the... Uh celebration after the three when he puts his, his hands up to his head. Yep. Like that, yeah, as he's running back down the court and you can just see, I'd be surprised if the other man had a more, yeah, had a happier moment in his entire life. That was the way that it came across on the screen. Yeah, well, Bill Raftery said this is as good as being home. So that's that's what I think of when I when I see that play. But the Meadowlands, and Adam, you, you like to tell this story, the, the Meadowlands was not the the most uh, occupied NBA building. People would tell me, you know, Herb Turetsky's the scorekeeper with the Nets, and uh, I, I don't mean to name drop. It sounds like I'm name dropping all the time, but he told me that Dryzen's the most popular player in Nets history. He, he's been with the Nets, or he's been with New Jersey since they were in the ABA, uh, and he said Dryzen's the most popular player the Nets have ever had because it, he would draw fans in, and that, that's why people in Europe especially in Croatia, was so captured by him because he, he involved you in the game by the way he celebrated. You know, he'd make a three and he'd, he'd turn around and celebrate. So Johnson was able to inspire things within people that was pretty unusual within from players. You mentioned before about how he was actually on the court on the night before visualising what he was going to do in that game. It's something that you hear on a regular basis from professional athletes is, is visualisation of what they're going to do on the court or on the on the field. So that's a, a fantastic story, mate. So that would be, I'm sure, an example of the quality of the story in the book, mate. Drazen had a very analytical mind, Aaron. He would he knew who the referees were going to be on the morning of the game. He knew the statistics of every play. He knew percent. He didn't just know the points per game. He knew percentages. He had a calculating mind. He knew what numbers he had during the game. He would correct scorekeepers during, you know, after games if the box score was... He had an analytical mind and he... And that's one of the reasons he was successful in the NBA. He knew he had to change his game in order to be successful. So um, the way Dryzen thought about basketball was was most unusual and I think that's why he was so unique. Now, what I was going to say earlier, Todd, was first of all, name drop away. You can name drop for as long as you like. It's fascinating to hear just all these people that you've chatted to along the way who that you might not think straight away that they're the most immediate person that you'd chat to in relation to the story, but it all helps develop the overall narrative. So that's part of the special appeal of a book such as this as well, and it shows the amount of comprehensive and exhaustive research that you did. So that's fine, name drop away. The second thing was, <laughs> um, do you have a favourite Drazen game that you saw that you have in your collection? I know you mentioned you, you watched maybe upwards of 90 games. Is there a particular one that just stands out above the rest that encapsulates everything that he was about? Yeah, gosh, that's a that's a good question, mate, because... Um, I know you've got a stack, so it's going to be maybe hard to narrow down. No, I do have a favourite game, mate. November 16, 1983, um, the Yugoslav national team played at Notre Dame, and I have a, have a black and white scouting film, and 
Notre Dame obviously recruited him, signed him to a letter letter of intent. But I just think it was, um, you know, the first step really on this lifelong journey to get to the NBA. The first step. It's more symbolic of, of what happens outside of the game, I suppose. But um, Drysdale had 24 points, seven assists, 10 of 16 from the field. So it was a obviously a big big stepping stone for him. And after the game, he went down to Digger Phelps's office, and he pulled out a letter of intent, Drysdale signed it, and then went back to Europe. He, he never fulfilled it. But, you know, Drysdale was about changing perceptions of the European players, the way that Americans view them, and that, that was sort of the first step towards doing that. But to narrow a game down, the games where Drysdale played against Sabonis in the mid-'80s before Sabonis's Achilles sort of fell apart, they were a lot of fun to watch. To narrow one game would be tough, but um, certainly a lot of fun watching those game films for sure. One thing that you mentioned, Todd, in, in Awareness 24 with Adam, that the, the reverence that Drazen had in Europe among you know, European players, and you mentioned about before Tony Kukoc was drafted to the NBA, it was mentioned to him that Drazen perhaps wasn't going that well in the NBA, and just the reaction of Kukoc, who could not believe that a guy like Drazen wasn't succeeding in the NBA. That was, and I know exactly who told me that story. I, remember, I know exactly what you're referencing. Kukoc had genuine anxiety because if Drazen can't do it, then what chance do we have? And that's how they viewed him. Drazen was about three and four years older than, say, Kukoc and Rajar and, and, and Divac and guys like that. And he was literally the, you know, the next step ahead. So for him to stumble was just incomprehensible, incomprehensible to those guys. And made them question, you know, geez, should we should we do it? But Drazen's belief sort of forced a trade out of Portland, forced into an opportunity where he was successful. But yeah, the Europeans were, you know, there was perceptions held against them by the Americans. Um, every guy was subjected to those, except Sabonis. He he superseded those perceptions held by by the Americans against the Europeans. But a guy like Drazen, a European guard. Um, there's a, a story that was in the Chicago Tribune in 86 by a writer named Phil Hirsch. You guys could probably find it on the archives where he was examining just how ready Drazen would be. And Drazen was averaging 40 a game in Europe at the time. It's like, you know, he's not going to play that way in the NBA. How's he going to survive? How's he going to fit in? Very, very interesting. There was, you know, and that's one of the things I wanted to address in the book was, first of all, why were those perceptions in place? how to drive and overcome them. And, you know, guys like him and Marshall Onis and Divac, they talk about being pioneers, genuine pioneers. They really had to break those perceptions. But Drazen wanted to break them in a different way. You know, Marshall Onis was not the best player in Golden State. Divac was not the best player in LA. You know, Europeans came to the NBA and they changed the foundation of the NBA. But the superstars, that galaxy, so to speak, was not was not changed. So Drazen wanted to get in that, that area. And one thing interesting, just when talking about Europeans, Shrimp was not considered, and this was made apparent to me through the research, he was not considered the same way that Drazen was or Marshall Onis. He went to high school in America, he went to college in America, and, and he was sort of considered a product of the American system. And obviously he was a better player before Drazen was. Um, he was successful, what was he, six man in 91 and 92. He was, a, you know, established before Drazen was, but Drazen's considered was considered a pure product of, of the European system and the first one to be successful. So a lot of dynamics, interesting dynamics that sort of came out within the book. 
all fascinating topics as well, which I'm sure that we're going to enjoy when we get right into the depth of the book as well. And speaking of the European side of things, mate, what sort of plans do you have or you already have underway, perhaps, to help celebrate the book's release in the vital European market where I'm sure it's going to be uh, incredibly appealing to a lot of basketball fans and just natives in general? Yeah, and look, it's exciting, mate, that so many people are interested in, in the book. But um, it was very important that the book be translated into Croatian and, and that the plans are underway, actually. The, um, the Petrovic family are organising that. They would, you know, have invited me to Zagreb later in the year to launch that book. So we're sort of addressing that as we speak. But I've had people from France and Greece and, and Spain who have asked me whether translated versions are going to be available and, you know, whether that becomes a reality or not. But it's all because of all because of Dryson and his story and how that sort of resonates in Europe. So if you're going to open up a few doors down the way, mate, then um, all the better. But it's all about his story. So um, lots of interest there. You don't have to sell Dryson to people. Certainly not. So we'll see how we go, mate. But European market's obviously very big. So hopefully the word can get out and more things can open up. Oh, definitely so. Now, Aaron, before we wrap things up a little bit, do you have anything else you'd like to ask Todd, in relation to this book or even just old school hoops in general, I guess? Just in regards to Drazen's passing, Todd, in uh, 1993, the NBA took a real hit, of course, with the initial retirement of, uh, of Jordan. But there were two guys who were very prominent players in the NBA, in Drazen and Reggie Lewis, who I tie those two together. Unfortunately, because of their circumstances uh, and you know, uh, them passing away so close to each other in 1993, even though the NBA definitely missed MJ, I think that there's, there's no question that Reggie Lewis was an all-star the, the previous year in 92. Drazen probably should have been in uh, 1993, but I don't think that there's any question that the loss of those two definitely contributed to the other uh, loss that the NBA felt when... When MJ first left. Yeah, exactly, Aaron. And a funny thing happened at the shooting guard position in 94. Uh, Sprewell was first-team All-NBA. He wasn't even on the All-Star ballot. Uh, Reggie Miller had that, obviously, big postseason in 94. There was a there was a gap to be filled with uh, with MJ leaving. And, you know, part of me thinks that there was something for Drazen and, uh, and, of course, Reggie Lewis. You know, there was a space for them to move into that that spot, you know, as, as the elite two guards in the league and, yeah, just a crazy set of circumstances. You know, how do you explain sort of things like that? Obviously, Dryzen's death is, yeah, how do you even put into words why that happened or understand why that happened? But, um, you know, Reggie Lewis as well, who was an unbelievable competitor, just a really versatile guy, athletic. And, you know, everyone viewed him at the time. I'm sure you guys remember. You know, he was going to be the next guy to... You know, Boston had never been bad before. He was going to be the guy that was going to keep him good. So three of the five best shooting guards in the league, opening day 93-94 comes and none of them are there. So very unusual. Tragic stuff in both circumstances, really. Uh, now, amongst other people, the esteemed Bob Ryan and Harvey Arriton have also sung your book's praises. Do you mind just quickly detailing how that actually came to be? Because that's uh, incredible to have the glowing recommendations of those guys on the back of your book. Yeah, I've been emailing Bob Ryan for years, asking him all sorts of stupid questions about Marovic and you know Larry and you know things he fat leader. I've, I emailed him probably about every player that played in the 80s or 70s, but 
here's a reservoir of information, but Harvey Arrington, um, I interviewed him for a story I did for Slam on, uh, on Iverson in 2010, and he's one of the most brilliant basketball minds that I've ever come across, and the way he writes about the game is certainly a standard that I want to reach. He knew Jarzen personally, um, and he had a, had a good relationship with him, and he was a terrific help with the book, a great interview. And he wrote about some interesting things about Drazen's life, you know, that went beyond the court, such as, you know, Drazen's thoughts that maybe xenophobia had kept him off the All-Star team in 93. You know, deeper topics he talked about with Drazen, obviously his relationship with Vladi and things like that. But So to have both of them, you know, endorse the book was just a huge thrill. You know, I'm not sure I'm worthy of it, but um, I'm glad they did it. <laughs> awesome stuff, mate. And uh, Aaron? Yeah, we... We put the question out there to our followers on Twitter if anyone had a question for Ty in regards uh, to Drazen, and we've had a grand total of one response. Um, John Bolin, uh, at JW Bolin, John asked, how big of a star would Drazen have been if he were American, both from a relatability and marketing standpoint? That's a terrific question. I have no idea because... I think part of Drazen's appeal and part of his the reason he was uh, wired the way he was was because he was European. A lot of his motivation was, like I said earlier, about changing perceptions. Marketability, you know, man, that's a, that's a tough one to answer. And I don't know, maybe he's just Joe Dumas or maybe he's just Mitch Richmond. The reason Drazen was unique was because he was European. You know, he grew up in a tiny place in Croatia. You know, how many guys are born in Shibenik, and then by the time they're 28, they're one of the 15 best players in the world. That that was part of his unique appeal. So it was, that's where he was born. But, you know, there's, yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. I'm not sure if I answered it properly, but, you know, I think part of his appeal was the fact he was European. But, um, you know, maybe if he's born in America, then he's, he's viewed as just another really, really good player that, along the journey that we just enjoyed watching. Who knows? Yeah, I think that we're all glad that, Drazen is who he was and was from where he was from. So I still think that uh, that he would have been regarded as highly as what he was and what we all knew him to be before he passed away. And I mentioned before that he uh, probably should have been an all-star in uh, 1993. And I get a bit of a, a bee in my bonnet about bad guys who miss out on all-star births. Just as an example, I feel that Dennis Rodman missed out on, on several all-star nods during sure. the... Uh, the 1990s, and that's one that I also uh, consider that Drazen should have been on the East squad in 1993 in Utah. Yeah, well, how Roman was in an all-star in 96, he completely changed that Bulls team. That's obviously a story for another day, but, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. That was very important to Drazen, and, uh, you know, it was part of the reason why he was considering going back to Europe. Uh, not only that, but his contract situation with the Nets was not was not sorting itself out, but it hurt Drazen not making the All-Star team. Having said that, making All-NBA third team was almost made up for that, and that's probably a better honour, even yeah. though it's not as heralded as the All-Star team for whatever reason, but he did feel vindicated before he was killed. So it was, you know, they didn't name him to that team after the accident. That was that was before, and, and he thoroughly deserved it. They were, they were on pace to probably win 50 games before he got hurt in March. So, yeah, he deserved it for sure. Thank you to John for that question. I'm sure all the other questions were somehow lost on the information superhighway. 
I'm disappointed my mum didn't uh, jump on Twitter at least get us up to two questions. <laughs> I thought my mum would have been on there. She's always on the Facebook page. But anyhow, I bet she would have chimed in with a question and said, what is the NBA? But anyhow, um, yeah, so thanks again, mate. Aaron, thanks again there, mate. Todd, thank you very much for being a part of the episode today and joining us to chat about it. I know we're obviously good friends and we've gone back 10, 15 years since we've known each other and uh, it's been great still to be able to chat about this dream that you've followed through and have turned into a reality by three or four years of hard work getting the book to come to fruition. So that's fantastic. What's the best way that um, people can, first of all, follow yourself and then also access more details about the book? Where would you like to send them, mate? Before I say that, I just want to thank you both for your support. You guys obviously have been aware of the project for quite some time, you know, well before we got to this stage. So really appreciate your support. You guys have been terrific. So thanks for having me on. But um, you guys can hit me up on Twitter, um, at ToddSpear35. I'm not sure if that's down the bottom or not because uh, that's a whole other story. But um, there's also a website that, we're, that I've just launched over the weekend, bookofdrazen.com. So that we're going to be adding more content uh, there is uh, across the journey, but there's uh, you know Facebook page um, backslash Trilazin book, and um, obviously you can check out the excerpts online various places. But yeah, you know this is all about Trilazin, all about his story. So really, really fun process. So hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, yeah, hopefully learn a, learn a few things. But yeah, a lot of fun to do. So I'm honoured that I've been able to tell his story. Really appreciate you supporting the book. So thank you very much. No worries, mate. Yeah, good to see you again, Toddy. Um, looking forward to my copy of the book rolling out from Amazon. I actually wanted to buy the other Kindle version myself, but realised I didn't have a Kindle. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a prerequisite. Mate. Come on, it's actually a free app. It's Amazon Kindle app or something like that, and I got it for free, and then just bought the book uh, a couple of days ago, and I've just got into it now, so really enjoying it as well. But all the links to that will be in the show notes as well, and uh, we'll do whatever we can to help promote it, Todd. But yeah, all the best, mate. No worries at all. Much appreciated, guys. Thanks for listening. I welcome your interaction with the show. As always, you can suggest topics or guests that you'd like to hear conversations with. You can leave a voicemail. Simply visit inallandness.com slash voice. Click on start recording, leave your message and then press stop. You can even listen to it back before you submit it. Press send and you're done. Time now to share more great feedback from fans of the show. Here is the most recent review, and now I am finally up to date with all the podcast reviews that have been received. Therefore, it's a perfect time for you to add yours. I'd really appreciate it if you do. I hope to read more reviews in future episodes. Thanks this time around to Lamar Matic. He actually also has a fantastic YouTube channel. Look for his name on YouTube. His real name is, and I probably will pronounce it incorrectly, Rainers from Latvia. Thank you very much for this review. The review is titled The Most Essential NBA History Podcast. So he's off to a fair start. He writes, I'm tempted to call this the most essential podcast centered on NBA history as it produces content concerning the league's yesteryears like no one else really does. With his work, Adam Ryan rivals such big names like Bill Simmons who would occasionally touch on the same topics. The wide array of relevant guests is satisfying as are the questions that are asked to them which help to go through the particular player's or person's life and career. Adam always manages to find a connection with the guest, and the exchanges are informative and smooth. Overall, just a fantastic podcast for NBA junkies. Now, that is one of the best reviews I've ever received. Can't thank you enough. Thank you very much.
Worldwide, the show currently has 48 reviews, 45 are on iTunes and 3 are on Stitcher. Thanks for your continued support. Your ratings and reviews are one of the best ways that you can support the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please tell your basketball-loving friends about it. Word-of-mouth recommendations are definitely worth their weight in gold. You can subscribe to my show in various ways on iTunes, inallannis.com slash review. Add it to your Stitcher playlist, inallannis.com slash Stitcher. You can also subscribe on Player FM, TuneIn Radio, Pocket Casts, and many other podcatchers. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and share my web address with your friends and colleagues, inallannis.com. Check out the podcast archive for plenty more episodes with high-profile guests. Follow me on Twitter at inallannis. Please add your like to the show's social hub, facebook.com slash inallannis. Join me next time for another edition of the show.